For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for y'all that are, there's Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. Y'all go right to Believe.com or anywhere else you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell your friends. Use the old school word of mouth. and Let them know about each and every episode. Got a really good guest on this evening. Going to preview the UT Vols. It is Tennessee week. We got from WNML in Knoxville, 99.1 FM, 990 AM. Will West on from the starting lineup, six to nine weekdays. Will, man, how you doing? You're doing well. Thank you for having me, Vinny. Really appreciate it, man. Always look forward to being on with you when I when I get the opportunity. Ah, right, man, for real. And look, for real talk for everybody that's listening to this podcast. I'm not sitting here talking to y'all if it's not for this guy right here. I'm talking about Will West, y'all, because been living down here in Tennessee and. Correct me if the time the timeline, man, Will. Pre iHeart, I'm thinking 2008, 2009, maybe. I had a phone, didn't have iHeart on the phone, didn't really get sports talk on the phone, still listening to the old school radio. You guys had Jim Rome used to be on from 12 to 3 on your station. And then you guys came on from 12 to 3. You and Josh Ward, is that right? Yeah, me and me and Josh Ward came on from 12 to 3. It was October 2009 is when we started doing it. So it's been a little while that we've been doing it now. Uh, but but it's uh yeah, started that started doing that then, man. So uh and, and it's it's gone well since. So it's gone well, and I got what they call a promotion to the mornings. And so that that means you know they give you more salary, but you gotta wake up and you hate your life. But other than that, it's uh, I like doing it, man. I get to talk about sports. I used to lay concrete in college. This is easier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. And like I would get off work at 2:30. Y'all were home from 12 to 3. So if y'all were doing remotes anywhere close where I lived at, you know, Morristown, Jefferson City, stuff like that, 
I'll pop out of work and just go and catch the last 20, 25 minutes of your show. And then, you know, we chop it up after y'all got done or say what's up during the commercials. And look, I'm a late bloomer. I'm, I'm 2009, I'm 32. And I'm like, man, look, if, if you don't have a degree in broadcasting, if you didn't go to school for journalism, how do you how do you get into this? And you just looked at me and said, like, dude, start a blog. And I was like, okay, I think I can do that. You might not even remember this conversation. Oh, absolutely. No, and I remember. I, you know why? Because you're literally the only human being. I've probably had 500 people reach out to me and say, I've always wanted to get into sports broadcasting, sports media. What do I need to do? And I'll tell them. And you are literally the only human being that's ever done it. So that's the, that's the, that's the, I'm dead serious. All the rest of them is like, oh, I gotta do all that work and you don't make any money up front. Uh, no, <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I get it. I know, I know how it is. I had to like sell everything I owned to be able to make it the first two years that I do this. Cause you make nothing right. I mean, I went from, you know, I, I was making $13,000 a year when I first started doing this as a 30 year old man, you know, so it was, it was difficult to do that. God bless my wife. She's a saint. So uh, that was, she, she dealt with that and put up with my broke self during that time, but you just got to do that. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta make the sacrifices and do it. Or if you got kids already, you know what I mean? Do things on the low, on the side and things like that and side hustle. And I was telling you like to make, you want to make ends meet in this, in this business. Like I do three shows. I have 17 endorsements that I do. And I used to do sports updates on two other stations as well. And things like that. And I finally, you know, 15 years of doing radio finally got to the point where I didn't have to do that anymore. But no, I remember the conversation we had because I laid out to us like, do a blog, try to get on a podcast, start, you know, pimping yourself, throwing out promotional, you know, learn how to write a promotional email, send promotional emails to other people's podcasts, get on their podcast to help grow yours. Use on social media, be active as heck and use the, the active hashtags you need to for your team or the, the person you or the team, you know, the group you want to cover and get it going like that. And you followed it, man. You've done it. It's been awesome. Yeah, did a, a little bitty blog. I still got the Facebook page. I did a little blog, Hardy Boy Sports Blog. Did a little yeah. website. Still got the Facebook page. And I would just write, you know, Brave stuff, Kentucky stuff, uh, Cowboys, you know, whatever's happening in the SEC. I'm just cranking out my little articles and just trying to, you know, then she got to write for Bleacher Report a little bit and other websites and then, you know, podcasts and shows and had kids already. So side hustling, like you said, in and around yeah. the family and the job and, you know, a wife who's a saint who puts up with us trying to do all this kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> Absolutely. So here we are, man. You know, rolling along SEC football. You, of course, cover the Vols. Oh, let me just ask you the first thing. I asked, asked Derek Terry for, for 24-7 on the Cats Pause the same thing the other day. As far as you covering Tennessee, what's the thing that surprised you the most? And what's the thing where you said, I was talking about this all summer and I nailed it. What's happened that way? Um, about the, about Tennessee this year specifically? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This this year specifically uh, that Heupel was going to make it and that it was finally the right hire. I mean, and it is. Ooh. And it clearly is. The thing that I like about Heupel, one, is Tennessee finally stopped trying to be so incestual with everything where like, I have a Tennessee guy he's got a relationship with this booster and we go get this buddy that's like just doing stupid stuff. And so what, what that means is when you go do that is you do it, you did not hire the most qualified candidate. Tennessee went out and they, they look, I'll be real. They offered the job to James Franklin. He was real close. And then at the end of the day, couldn't pull the trigger on coming. Uh, they offered the job to Tony Elliott. He was real close. Couldn't pull the trigger on coming. Denny White didn't want to bring in Heupel because he didn't want to take Heupel away from UCF. But they, that and, and I get that. I respect, I respect the heck out of that. 
but I, I've always liked Heupel. If you saw what happened, a lot of people pointed out that last year was a drop off at six and four. They had 10 defensive players or 10 on their two deep that, that opted out because of COVID. So it's just, you're not the same. And they lost three, three, get one game. They just got beat. They shouldn't have got beat. They lost three games just barely even without those 10 defensive players. So I, I knew Heupel was going to make it. One of the reasons is he's not trying to be a brand. You got to be a special dude to be a brand and make it as a coach, right? Like Coach K is not trying to be a brand. Saban's not trying to be a brand. Calipari is, but Calipari is that special dude, right? So Calipari can do that. James Franklin can do that. Bruce Pearl can do that. Lane can do that. Almost nobody can. And so it, it's it's that's why when Jeremy Pruitt's here and when Butch is here and he's trying to like be a brand, it just didn't work. But Heupel's just kind of almost like a coach at a small town. Like just like coaching high school football. Just let me coach ball. Leave me alone. Y'all handle the academics. Y'all handle the whatever the the booster stuff. You know what I mean? You need to do. I'll go glad hand if I need to, but I don't really want to sit in politic for things. Let me coach ball. And it's also a new. I, we knew that this offense would work because Lane Kiffin's running a slowed down version of it at Old Miss. He just has a better quarterback. So I mean, th- th- if you notice the difference between Old Miss, Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator at Old Miss, has been running Hypo system. The one thing that's different is they use a few more crossing patterns and mesh uh, concept stuff across the middle in man coverage, and um, Heupel doesn't use as much of that. And then Heupel also snaps the ball faster and doesn't care about protecting his defense. He snaps the ball 31, 30, 29 seconds left on the play clock. Ole Miss snaps at 23, 24 seconds left on the play clock. So we knew this offense would work. So that's one thing that I knew was going to happen, and I, and I told Tennessee fans all offseason, and I told people before the uh, season started, it's going to work with Josh Heupel. The one concern they got to have is that Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL, because if Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL, the alma mater might come calling. And there's a lot of people in college football whispering that right now instead of saying that. that you know, that's the part I'm not supposed to say out loud. I just said out loud. But that that's one thing that I think that uh, Tennessee needs to be the most concerned about. And if that happens, you just go hire Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, and keep running the same system so you don't have to miss a whole lot of things. The thing that surprised me is how good this defense is. Because the, I don't – Look, I knew the individual parts of the coaches were going to be good, but when you lost 31 players to transfers during the offseason, during the coaching change, and it was a bad defense anyway, and for these guys to come in and do the job that they have done, and I said, especially the linebacking core, because they they literally had three bodies at linebacker this year. Three. Three healthy bodies. That's all they've had. And that linebacking core has been good. I mean, Tennessee's been a top 25 defense against the run, and it's because of a converted running back, a senior walker, the former walk-on, you know what I mean, that's that's really training while he's a f- playing football as a walk-on, training to be a sports information director uh, for, you know, when his college career eligibility ends, and then a freshman that had, frankly isn't big enough and had never played. That That's who you've had a linebacker all year, and you've been good. So I did, it's a guy's name's Brian Jean-Marie. He's uh, from Penn, came from Penn State, and my gosh, that guy could flat coach his hind parts off, man. So I did not think this. I thought the defense was going to be straight up bad, and it's just straight. It's good. That the Tennessee, it's not great. It's not Stoops defense, but it's a good defense. Wow. Now you mentioned you know, a couple references to Ole Miss, a couple references to Lane. Has, has everybody got that out of their system now? They just came up here. All, is it? Is it? Is it? Can everybody move on from now? I mean, Ole Miss won. The fan base, they've been they pent up aggression and anger, been mad at him for 12 years. He came in and, and got the win, controversial stuff. Has there, is it is it over now? No, I don't think it is. I don't think I think that it's like a breakup and like Tennessee is the is the aggrieved party that won't seem to get over it. You know what I mean? Like you ever seen somebody that go through a divorce or something or a breakup and they just they can't let it go and you're like, dude, just let it go. You got you're fine now. Like your life's better without them. You know what I mean? And I'll be real. 
Tennessee was going to get crushed by the NCAA. I can tell you straight from people in Indianapolis, they were going to get destroyed if Lane did leave. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to Tennessee is if Lane left. But the problem was Lane can coach. And now Lane's got his problems. I think he'll be fine now So because you can pay players. And that dude was just going to pay players. That's what it was. But he'll be fine now that NIL and all that, you know, name, image, and likeness is cool. But I, it's, it's a, the problems they hired a bunch of bad coaches after that. Right. So, and everybody keeps going back to the last time that we had fun and enjoyed our football and it was good and you weren't concerned about it or frankly embarrassed by some portion of it was when Lane was there. And so because of that, it, that they, they just always hearken back to that moment, but I, there, there will be something there until Tennessee, probably they play one more time. And if Hypel keeps winning, like if Hypel gets to uh, seven and five this year and is able to knock off Kentucky um, and then gets to eight and four, nine and three next year, people will stop talking about Lane, but it's going to take something to make them forget it. And that means going seven to five like Lane did or better. And you mentioned, I didn't know about James Franklin and Tony Elliott. I was just wondering if, if Danny White, who, you know, that was my quarterback as my, as a kid with the Cowboys first was, I was just wondering if he was taking a layup. I got the job at Tennessee. I'm going to call my boy Josh. So I was wondering how much work went into the search and, and so a little more than I thought initially. Oh, yeah, I can tell you this. They, they put out, they created the digital marketing materials to have about James Franklin being, I am told this anyway, like third hand, but uh, for people who would know, not third hand, second hand, for people who would know that they created promotional materials to announce James Franklin to be the head coach and James Franklin turned them down, but they were going to pay him so much money. It was just stupid. Like they, it was just a matter of like, we're gonna, like people always say back to bring struck up Tennessee back to bring struck up to James Franklin. And he was like, Ooh, interested. And then at the last second, it was like, ah, I don't want to leave state college. You know, I like it here. That's a ton of money. And you get to reset your clock at Tennessee, but then that's a ton of money. But he just couldn't do it. And so, and I, and I get it. State college is a fantastic place. I really, 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 really believe that, um, that, that Danny White did not want Josh Heupel to have to take Josh Heupel from UCF. I think he loved UCF. It's just a matter of you can't win a national title there and you can at a place like Tennessee and SEC school with a $120 million athletics department budget, right? And so that's what he wanted to do was win a title. And so it was the upward mobility he wanted in his career. But I think he didn't want to have to take Heupel from UCF and then he had to take Heupel from UCF. And so because of getting turned down by other guys and you, you can't just go get someone you don't believe in the job. And if you look at Danny White's track record, he's literally never missed on a hire. Like it's, there's not a hire that he has missed on ever, which is wild when you look at that from Buffalo to uh, UCF to now. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, and, and, and like Hypel still got to go to another level here and we'll see what making it is for him because I think that he's going to be at least a little bit better than Butch Jones was. So those eight and fours become nine and threes and we'll see if you can become 10 and two or 11 and one. But he's had the right defensive staff this time, and that's something Heupel had a blind spot for when he was at UCF was putting some money into the defensive side of the ball. He's done that. He's hired, you know, Jean-Marie and people like that, and Rodney Garner, Willie, you know, he's got Willie Martinez. Gracious, that defensive staff's good. So I, I think Heupel will be all right. That's cool, cool. Now, I got to play devil's advocate with you because I've, I've listened to you and Tyler at different points in time of the season uh, talk about the game against Pitt, the, the first game when they came down here in the, the Johnny Majors Classic. Uh, if Tennessee hits some deep shots, they're able to, they probably win that game. It was close, 41 to 34. Devil's advocate, but Tennessee jumped up to a 13 nothing lead, part in part due to what blocking a punt, special teams gaffed yeah. by Pitt. And my argument was like, well, they outscored Tennessee 41 
to 21 the rest of the way. So where, where, where are we getting this? Man? It's, it's, it's you, you had four in the, in the first, like at the first quarter there, you had four shots at a wide open play. You had four drives where there was a guy wide open down the field that if you just put the ball up and let him run underneath it, it's open because Pitt blew the coverage, right? It was just, I mean, it was one like Tennessee did anything incredibly special there. Pitt just blew the coverage. Joe Milton cannot wait to sell one to the fourth row. Dude, that, that guy's got a bazooka for an arm and can't aim it. So that's, that's kind of what happened there. So my, my argument there is you were so close anyway that if you hit one of those four passes, even one, you're, you're the game's tied, right? And if you hit two of those four, which is what you should expect. Like, it, 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 we get a little weird sometimes as fans where people want to say you should hit every one of those wide-open throws down the field. Nobody hits all of the wide-open throws down the field. But you can hit half of them. That is not something that you like half of the four of the four drives where you had a dude wide open streaking down the sideline. You can put a ball up and let him run underneath it. And and that's that should be a reasonable expectation. So if you hit two of those, to me, you win, you win the game there. I also wonder if Pitt is able to come back if you're sitting there looking at 27 to nothing instead of 13 to nothing, right? I, I just don't – a lot of times that's just a – it's just going to break someone's spirit. Like I don't know that – like the South Carolina game, the Missouri game, I think both of those teams are better than they played against Tennessee. I just think that Tennessee broke their will in the first quarter. It was 28 to nothing, 28 to 7, and they just – tapped out because then you're one-dimensional and once you become one-dimensional you become more easy to defend and things like that and so I do think that that maybe Pitt beats them so I mean maybe we are a little ham-fisted with that I just and, and I'll be real just for I'm, I don't care if Tennessee wins games or not like I'm not a Tennessee fan I don't care I just cover them so but but I do think Tennessee does win that game Kenny Pickett can ball though like we've seen since then Kenny Pickett might be the best quarterback in college football right now so born and raised in well Got Louisville ties, first of all. Forget, believe yeah, it. yeah, I was born in Louisville. I was born in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. My dad was going to college up there, and my mom and dad were married, and they, I was an oops. And so the, they, they had me a little early, and they planned. And so, yeah, my dad was up at school up there. Um, and, and so then we we moved to Manchester, Georgia after that. He, was, he became he's a pastor. And so he had a pastor to church in Louisville for a little while, then had pastor to church in Manchester, Georgia. We moved up here. My dad's family's always from Seymour. My mom's family's from Morristown. So my family's always been here, but we moved up here when I when I started high school as a freshman. Oh, so that explains it. So I was like, I'm like, man, you moved to Tennessee at five or six and cover them and still aren't a fan. But if you're in high school, I can. OK, yeah, I was in high school. I don't. And also, I'm going to be real, man, like eat and breathe and sleep it. It's all clinical at this point. And, and I'll be and I did have fandom at the early part of my career and I kept being wrong. And so I got, I got tired of being wrong, man. I was like, OK, so but that's one thing that I've noticed about this business. If like, if like, if you go cover, I'm a New York Giants fan, uh, that's going real well. <laughs> but if you go cover the Giants, you as a Cowboys fan can look at that team and, and me and you can look at exactly the same thing and you'll know it better than I will. And you'll be able to diagnose the problems better than I will. Cause I can remove them. You know what I mean? Cause you can remove emotion from the equation. It's all clinical. And so like, there's been a lot of things that people pointed out now, like I'll be real. People hated me when I first started doing stuff in Knoxville for the most part, like hated me, death threats, the whole nine yards was afraid to show pictures of my family on social media because I was afraid somebody might try to hurt him. Like, because I was just like, dude, Derek Dooley's going to fail. They shouldn't have hired him. I mean, went 4-8 at Louisiana Tech. He's a terrible coach. Players threw a party literally when he left because I knew people at Law Tech. And, like, he wasn't going to ain't going to make it. And people started sending me death threats and stuff like that, just wild stuff. Yeah. And so, but eventually I've been right a lot. And it's not because I'm smart. It's because I don't have any emotion in it. And Ooh. so if, you do, if you're able to remove emotion and just look at it clinically, you'd be amazed at what you can tell about a team. So I would always suggest that like to young people, if there are any young people that are going into sports journalism or listening, you may think you want to go cover your, and you can do 
like what you're doing now, you can do that. But if you want to go be like a reporter or you want to do something like that and like cover a beat, choose a team that you don't know, that you don't have an emotion for, because you'll you'll see exactly the same thing you would as if you were a fan, but you'll be able to diagnose it at like an 80 times deeper level because of that. So th- th- like that's and honestly, I think it's one of the reasons I've got credibility now is I was right about Dooley. I was right about Butch Jones. I was like when they hired him, everybody was like, yeah, he won the Big East four times. And I'm like, man, no, he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, like as a Louisville fan, no, he didn't. Like he, he did not win the biggies. He was, he had the same conference record, but when tiebreakers got kicked in, he was fourth place, man. So like he didn't win squat. Like that dude sucks. He took a 10 win team and made it an eight win team. Why in the world would you want to go hire Butch Jones? He's going to go eight and four here. It's what he'll do. And eventually somebody will figure out the read option and he'll be done toast. And somebody figured out the read option and he's toast. Right. So I do think that helps a lot is to be able to just remove yourself from the equation when you start talking about the team, but it doesn't mean you're not wrong. Sometimes it just means you're not wrong because of Homer. And you know, you far as your giants, Jason Garrett, y'all are welcome. Um, (sighs) I just been like, I literally have at the point where I'm hoping they lose every game so we can just fire them as quickly as possible. I just want, I want there to be no doubt whatsoever that we blow all of these dudes out. Just get them all out of there. If you would like anybody that's ever coached in Tennessee, if you've ever been in the state of Tennessee, if you stopped at a rest stop at the state of Tennessee, I don't want you on the giant sideline. We got Dooley. We got Pruitt. We got Pruitt's best friend, Freddie Kitchens. We got everybody over there. It's terrible. And, man, speaking of, uh, well, Pruitt, well, first of all, Bush Jones, um, <laughs> when that hire was made, and look, I'm, I have, you know, I'm, I have Kentucky color glasses on. I try to be uber homer, try to be objective, but there is fandom there. And, Kentucky lost to Tennessee from the time you and I were first grade until we were 33 years old. We never yeah. saw Kentucky beat them. So that that plays a role so it, to the point where, you know, if if to me, I want if Kentucky basketball went five and 30, I wanted them to beat North Carolina, Louisville, Indiana, and Tennessee twice because of all <laughs> those football beatings. And my my rationale was look if if you go four and one or five and zero in those five, well you're gonna be good enough to win 20, 25, 28 games anyway. But I wanted Tennessee twice so bad for all from nineteen eighty four to twenty eleven for all those football beatdowns. That's I put Tennessee twice on that list. But going back to Butch Jones, when you know the word came out he was gonna be hired, I cracked up laughing because you already talked about Derek Dooley, and all you talked about, you on the radio, everybody else on the radio, all the competitors you beat out to get ratings on the radio in Knoxville. After a couple of years, you're waiting for that signature win. Derek Dooley hasn't beaten anybody. We don't have a signature win. You almost beat what Carolina. You almost beat LSU. There's a couple, you know, 15 men on the field that cost you the bowl game, whatever it was. So Dooley can't beat anybody, doesn't have a signature victory. The closest thing to a signature win he had was that three touchdown win over Cincinnati, coached by Butch Jones. I said, You guys are gonna bring in the guy that Dooley beat by three <laughs> touchdowns to replace Dooley? That's gonna work. I mean Yeah, it, it was I'll be real. It was it was the, the idea that so I'll so when they when they hired dude, I don't think people know how bad that that hire was or like the the Dare Dooley, how bad that search was. I've talked about it a little bit on the radio, but it's so like deep dive to have to go into, but short, like, like Cliff's notes, when they hired Derek Dooley, they went through like eight dudes that they, that turned them down. And a lot of them used them to get raises. And Mike Gundy used them to be able to get uh control of his schedule. 
And for, you know what I mean? Because he wasn't getting the schedules out of conference opponents. The AD was there. And so Mike Gundy used them and um, Troy Calhoun. There was a one booster who forced them to have sell yank my money. If you don't go get Troy Calhoun, Troy Calhoun used them to get a raise at air force. Like it was awful. So then they had Kyle Whittingham and they had him dead to rights. Like Kyle Whittingham wanted the gig and they had agreed to pay him a lot of money at the time. Uh, what would have been a, a, a lot of money. And Whittingham still winning at Utah, right? He's still doing a pretty darn good job there. And there was one booster that didn't want him uh, because of a difference of religion. And so, and point blank, that was it. It was just that he's a Mormon and I'm a, you know, I'm a Baptist and I don't want that. And that's what happened. And so they didn't hire him and they went and finally they got stuck with Derek Dooley. Well, here's the, the even crazier part, right? This is the thing that like, if you wrote this as fiction, no one would ever believe it. So they didn't interview Kippy Brown for the job and fans wanted Kippy Brown, who was the interim coach there because Kippy Brown is the type of dude to like you, Kippy Brown is when he walks in any room, that's the most respected room man in that room. Once he's there five minutes and people get to know him, right? That, that's the kind of man Kippy Brown is just a good man. And fans just said, just give Kippy the job, give Kippy the job. But a Tennessee guy did a great job under Johnny majors at the passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach and things like that. So just give him the job. And they didn't interview him. Well, they did not want it to be perceived that they didn't interview him because of race. So they went and they had hired Derek Dooley. They, I knew that they had hired Derek Dooley because I know people at Louisiana Tech. Jimmy Hyams had family that worked at Louisiana Tech. Derek Dooley's already quit and made done the, the meeting with his team and announced it. I've got a friend of mine sending me pictures of the party the players are throwing because they're so glad Derek Dooley's gone. Uh, I got a buddy of mine that does uh, broadcasting for Louisiana Tech, and he was like, dude, we thought y'all were hiring him as AD, that y'all blown your AD out. I didn't think you'd really hire him as the coach. He was a good AD when he was here. He's a terrible coach. And so they literally sent a plane to go interview Kevin Sumlin in Houston all on a ruse just so they didn't want to be perceived as racist for not hiring Kippy Brown dead serious that that actually really happened so there was one plane gone to go get Derek Dooley and put him on a plane with them there was another plane gone to do a fake interview with Kevin Sumlin who probably would have worked out here at least for a while until people figured out the read option again and 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 instead they go bring Derek Dooley back and do the fake interview with Kevin Sumlin that was weird so then they hire Butch right and, and if you remember in that cycle, Butch got Kentucky said, no, thanks. Right. Kentucky did an interview. So they didn't want him. And Butch had his people float out there that he, did, he was going to make get the Kentucky job. Kentucky said, no. And that was clearly the right move with the way y'all are going right now. Uh, he was going to take the Colorado job, found out he had a chance at the Tennessee job. And after he gave a verbal agreement to Colorado, came back to Cincinnati, told bald face lies about that the entire time he was in Knoxville. But I know people in Colorado that he said that he, that he told yes to. So it was like, Come on, man. I know that this is a lie that you're telling me right now, but whatever. And so they, they, the boosters are trying to hire John Gruden. And then, and I know that people made fun of the John, the groomers and John Gruden stuff, but true story. The boosters thought they could hire John Gruden. I have a mutual friend with John Gruden who claims that Gruden wasn't going to do it. Uh, Jimmy Himes has a mutual friend with John Gruden that claims, yeah, Gruden's telling everybody he wants it, but he really doesn't. He just wants to be wanted and he's going to back out at the last second. And so, uh, we're, <laughs> They go to, they want to go hire Gruden. Dave Hart doesn't want to hire Gruden. Dave Hart threatens to sue them for circumventing powers guaranteed under his contract. So he flies up after, because it went after Charlie Strong, if you remember, right? Louisville's coach. Mm -hmm. And it was right after, uh, what, what is the, I can't remember, the Jurek, the, the AD at Louisville said, we'll make him the highest paid coach in America to keep him here. So Tennessee goes, so there starts just piling money up saying, okay, three million, three and a half million, three, seven, five, four. And then finally, Louisville keeps matching it, and they realize, oh, no, this ain't going to work. Boosters get mad, and they're saying, fine, we're going to take this. I'm, I'm dead serious. 
I'm getting messages on Facebook from billionaires that are literally sending me messages saying, you can put it out there where I'm We're going to hire Gruden tonight. And so then I get this message from somebody that works at the AD and there's like, Hey, hearts threatening to sue these boosters if they do this. So I wouldn't, I know they're telling you to go out there with it. You and some other people that I wouldn't go with it. And so that night, Dave Hart goes and does like a 45 minute interview with Butch Jones and just hands him the job to be able to make sure he gets to make the hire instead of the boosters. And so Butch comes here and I'm like, eight and four that's what that guy's got in a man and then they'll figure out that read option and he's got to figure do something else from there and it never worked out once they figured it out the sorry I, I, that was a long story i know it's why i don't ever tell the story because it's like so much it's it, like honestly if you made like a that is so, like days of our lives couldn't broadcast tennessee's coaching searches because it's just so buck wild it's just insane it's crazy the in the history of the reality the perception of the the control that the boosters have, the influence that the fans have, seemingly being more so their voices are listened to maybe than and in other places. You talked about one person, one booster nicks is the Whittingham hire. Yeah. Um, Chiano, we all know what a mess that was. And I will say, she, I think Tennessee fans get a bad rap on that because I think Greg Chiano's a bad guy. Like it just, he just a bad guy. Like it just knowing people in college football are frankly pro scouts that have gone to Rutgers and the way he treats people. I, I think he's chilled out since then. I think he got humbled with a lot of things that happened around that between that and the Ohio state defensive coordinator thing going South for him and what happened in new England. I think that, that he got humbled and I think he's a better dude now, but Greg Shaw is a bad guy and you just don't want that. And, and I'm going to be real at it. I had probably 500 messages from season ticket holders that said, I, I look, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm going to cancel my season tickets. If they, are we really going to hire this guy? Do I have to go cancel my season tickets? And it was just a matter of if he was even implicated in Penn State, we don't want him. Right. And so a lot of people I thought in the national media, Kirk Curb Street, I thought was one of those guys, Tim Brando, a lot of those dudes who came after Tennessee fans. Pat Forty was one of those dudes that said, well, if you can't prove that he did it, that he knew about it, then you, you have to give him the job. I'm like, it's not a court of, th- th- this isn't a court of law, man. It's not like beyond any reasonable doubt. It's a matter of, do you want to hire somebody who was associated with that? And he was associated with it. And you have the guy that brought down the entire Penn State program that said he saw something, that said Greg Schiano saw something and didn't do anything. Um, so I, for me, I understand it. Like as a Tennessee, like I, I'll be real, people I know that at the Bucks that just said, he's a horrible person. Like he, he spread... A guy that was there was one one player told former player told me he spread rumors about a guy to the media saying a guy had a social disease to that was married and said he got it cheated on his wife to try to cover up for the fact that they had a MRSA outbreak inside the locker room. But that's not okay. You know what I mean? Like, and again, I don't know that that happened. That was just from a former Tampa player that was laid there at the time when Shiana was there. But things like that that you look at and you're just like, oh, like, and again, but it, it looks like the Penn State thing. I don't know that that happened. But if it's bad, if that dude's done enough to make this former player reach out to me and say, dude, this happened, that's not okay. You know what I mean? So, and, and we know that they did lie about a number of things with that Merce outbreak during Shiano's time. Um, the, the NFL Players Association was doing an investigation into him lying, saying that Josh Freeman failed a drug test when he didn't fail a drug test. And uh, just because he wanted to make, like he benched him or, and shouldn't have benched Josh Freeman. And so he said, well, he felt, you know, leaked out that he failed a drug test. Like things like that, you don't leak things like that about people. Like Grayshon was a bad guy. I think he's a better guy than he used to be now. I think he got humbled, and that's helped him. But Tennessee fans did the right thing, keeping Greg Shiano from coming here. In my mind. Cool, cool. Um. Now, what is 
who's going to blink first between Tennessee and, and Jeremy Pruitt? Pruitt's trying to get this bread, and he's trying to take anybody down with him, whoever he can. What's what's the latest on that? Who's is it a staring contest? Is there anything to his lawsuit or? or- yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I I'll be real. I I have no idea how Tennessee is going to get away from paying him money because everybody cheats, right? So that's the, like this is the big like the 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 least worst kept secret in college athletics. Everybody's dirty. Right. Like if somebody got Johnny five star and your school didn't get Johnny five stars because they paid him more money, but that's how you got Johnny three star was that's all your budget was. man. so you can go three and seven. That's what. Yeah. Well, the the key is you, you can't have the coaches directly involved. Right. You got to, I'll be real. I have catered. I I used to do some catering stuff and stuff like that when I first uh, got out of the bar business and, and got cleaned up off drugs and got saved. And I would work in, in the catering world and I've worked for two different sec schools, boosters from two different sec schools catering dinners for athletes where I literally put an envelope full of cash underneath the plate. Like I, I, I could tell you right now, two different sec schools that, that have done that in the state of Tennessee and neither of those schools are located in the state of Tennessee. I'll just say that that's how the booster thing went. So um, it's, it's just like, everybody's dirty. Everybody cheats. So for Tennessee to act like, you know, they're aghast at the fact that they cheated, that didn't happen. At the end of the day, they didn't have the money to pay him. I do think Donna Plowman might not have known because she doesn't, she's an academic. She's not a big sports person, but everybody else knew. And so, and there's no way Philip Fulmer didn't know. And so look, Jeremy Pro probably does know where all the bodies are buried. And for Tennessee, you're going to have to pay him something, I would think, or you're just going to let him pull those skeletons out of the closet and say, all right, do something to us. We don't care. One or the other. So if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you have nothing to lose here because Tennessee handing you on a silver platter to the NCAA says that you don't get to coach college athletics for three years because that dude to go be Alabama's defensive coordinator next year, make $2 million a year. You think that Ogeron wouldn't hire him to be the OC, the DC at LSU this year? He'd absolutely hired him to be the DC at LSU this year and paid him $2 million a year like he was paying Dave Aranda. But he can't coach in college right now because he's about to get a show cause. So he's stuck coaching defensive backs poorly at the New York Giants right now. So that's where he's at. So he's not blinking. Tennessee doesn't seem to be blinking either, but I get concerned about that. If I, if I was a Tennessee fan, I would be concerned. Here's why. I, I can tell you stories about, about, you know, different every, I honestly, at least 10 of the programs right now, I can tell you one story about that program cheating. So I guarantee you a guy who was the head football coach could tell you stories about that program cheating and probably about other programs too, if he wanted to. So I mean, it, Pruitt has nothing to lose. Cause I mean, he's, he's got $12 million that they owe him on his buyout uh, Tennessee at this point, they've gone so far down the road that they can't turn around on the interstate. So this is just going to all go to a head and all blow up at some point in time. They'll probably end up having to pay him three to $5 million and he'll go away and he'll get a show cause and we'll see what happens from there. And he'll sit out what one or two more years for the NCAA and he'll go be Nick Saban's defensive coordinator again. <laughs> can't go home again for sure. Yep. <laughs> oh, flipping back to, to Saturday. Uh, Look, at this point in the season, everybody's banged up. So what's what's Tennessee's health status? We know they're coming off of a bye, so got to heal up a little bit and, and, and get a little bit healthy. What's their status coming into uh, this weekend? Look, the one thing that I think about, that, that I, if there's one criticism I have about Josh Heupel, it's that he tells bald-faced lies about injuries. Like, so just anything that you've read or you hear that Josh Heupel said about injuries, it ain't true. You know I mean, if he says they're playing, they ain't playing. If he says that that's kind of what you have to do with Josh Heupel. Go the opposite. Whatever he tells you is the opposite of what the truth is. So he said that these dudes are going to play for weeks and none of them play. I am told this on the low. Cooper Mays, the center, is going to be back. There's a good chance Cade Mays, the tackle, is going to be back. Um, Hendon Hooker is going to be a good bit better because he had a bone bruise. And so he was able to play through it. But in that Alabama game, you could tell 
He did not feel comfortable running the football. Um, he was very afraid, frankly, to run the football uh, but with as far as re-injury. But from what I'm told, it, he couldn't re-injure it. So it's just a matter of pain. You know what I mean? Taking that. And so if he, as long as he could tolerate the pain, he'd be all right. So Hendon Hooker will be healthy. Tyon Evans will be healthy. Jabari Small will be healthy, the running backs. So I, I think this will be the game. Tennessee has not been this healthy since the first game of the season. And so I think they'll be more healthy than they have been. And so I, I do think that is a very good thing for Tennessee in this game. And look, the one thing you need to be healthy because Kentucky, like y'all, I'll be real. Y'all, y'all I, I, w- I really would love to see Stoops allow his offense to be a little bit more open and not protect his defense so much. But that dude can coach. Y'all hit people. You know what I mean? Like y'all block, y'all tackle, y'all run the dive, you stop the dive. So Tennessee's going to need the full complement of players to be able to go out there and beat Kentucky this weekend if they're going to have a chance. Kentucky's got the you know, a flat performance i don't know if you laid an egg or what you want to call it coming off of a buy at mississippi state where there's stoops has checked off a lot of boxes you know winning in gainesville winning in knoxville ending the florida streak you know so many things uh the 10 win season for a couple years ago haven't won in starkville since he's been here you know they haven't won as a program since randall cobb was there and that was 14 13 had to block an extra point to squeak away so it's it's the house of horrors there in starkville uh, they just got flat out whipped this past Saturday. And so you have Kentucky coming off that. You have Tennessee coming off a bye. And Kentucky's now in a position, every every SEC team has that gone. You got that three or four game murderers row stretch. And now Tennessee's, you know, Alabama, bye, Kentucky, Georgia. They're, you know, probably looking to steal this one. The best chance to, to get one against this ranked run of teams is Kentucky. Kentucky's coming off a two-game losing streak, so it's it's going to be a, an interesting battle of wills. Uh, it's going to be really cold, and we we hear stuff about Hendon Hooker, the, the last game of Virginia Tech, where he just look, I'm cold, I'm going to go to the locker room. Has that been talked up? Has Hypo been asked about that? Has Hooker not really been asked about that, or what's what's the no? Story? It's it's a it's a great question though. It needs to be he, you know, I th- I do think because that dude couldn't throw the forward pass either at Virginia Tech, right? You need. Yeah. Something to the laterally. You need something to the outside, outside the hashes on the sideline on the boundary. That's it. He could do that for you. He could run the football. So he was a valuable weapon to have. So I know why Tennessee brought him in, but he couldn't throw the ball downfield in the middle of the field. And he has changed that. So I do think there's a lot of just at this point, Hendon, Tennessee fans just give Hendon Hooker a free pass on anything that happened at Virginia Tech because of uh because because he's a completely different quarterback than he was then. It'll be very interesting to see this matchup because that, that Mississippi State game, um that I think that it's always going to be tough. If you're the type of team that that says my offense is going to protect my defense, it's going to be tough when you play those teams where you got to score 30, right? Like just like like point blank. It's like in for Mississippi State, they got a 31, but it was it took Will Rogers playing his first complete game of the entire season. But he was, but it was. And and if you're in man coverage all day, all that 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 air raid's going to be tough because it's I mean, y'all know because y'all y'all had the air raid there forever. The mesh concept across the middle, verticals on the outside, somebody's going to be open or there's going to be a 50-50 ball thrown up where the receiver's got a chance for it, right? And so I, I thought that was a tough matchup for, for Kentucky. I think this one with Tennessee is going to be a tough matchup for Kentucky because I think you got to score 30. And I think that can you score 30 is going to be the answer because I don't think you can hold Tennessee to under 30 as fast as they go. Um, so so I think that one's going to be – that is going to be a big a big problem, I think, for Kentucky here. Is To me, it's not going to be about how, mu- how much the Stoops defense – slow them down it's gonna be what does what does will levis do because he can run and tennessee the one place where tennessee struggled 
They, uh, frankly, they beat both Alabama and Ole Miss if they could stop a quarterback running the football. And they cannot stop a quarterback running the football. Um, I, I think that I'd feel good about their chances that they played Florida again if they could stop a quarterback running the football. They can do it. And so if Levis, he, he what he run for 73, 72 yards against LSU, something like that. If Levis yeah. can run the football in this game, Kentucky might be able to put up that 30, but it's going to take that. They're going to have to do something we haven't seen them do in a little while. And I think that they've got to go get 30, 35, I think, to feel good about their chances against this, against Tennessee this weekend. And the, the turnover thing is they've, they've been playing with fire. You know, they yeah. minus 12 on the season and they're six and two. Yep. Uh, you saw that what, a couple of years ago, they played Tennessee, the Butch Jones 0-8 in the SEC year. Yeah, like four, four turnovers, and yeah. And won that game. But uh, Chris Rodriguez is, is fumbling a little bit. Levis is intermediate stuff behind guys and, and getting some passes picked off. So if they if they turn it over, you, you can't give Tennessee more possessions than they're already going to no. get. Yeah, and that's the key. And the big thing for like for what the thing Tennessee's done all year well defensively is they have since that third game they've created turnovers and they do it really really well. The other thing that they do is they get you behind the sticks, right? And get you off. It's one of the things if you ever talk to any old school quarterbacks. Uh, well, I know a bunch of them at this point now, right? From doing what we do, but like Pat Ryan has been at the station for a while. We're at the station for a while now. He does the ball network coverage. He used to play for the Jets. Uh, Bobby Scott, I do a show with him, played for the Saints and played for 2UT back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Eric Ainge does the show after mine, and they all say the same thing. Worst thing that ever happened to quarterbacks, get behind schedules, what they call it. That means third and six or worse, right? Tennessee's done that to teams all year long, and they just can't get off the field because they'll drop it a man coverage. That quarterback will have nobody open or get flush out of the pocket, and he'll just tuck it and run. And Tennessee's linebackers will misplay it. And that's happened over and over and over again. Uh, so, or they, and then eventually Old Miss just started running quarterback draws. So it'd be third and seven, third and 11. They'd run a quarterback draw with the lead blocker, and Tennessee couldn't do anything about it. Right. So that's the thing that I, I think that is going to be the key to this game. Tennessee will hold, uh, put Kentucky in bad down and distance because it's just, it's hard to just match up and just run straight up at Tennessee right now. That defense is that that defensive line's good. Matthew Butler's a guy you're gonna, you're gonna hear his name on Sunday. He, didn't, he wasn't a highly recruited guy, but he's a good athlete, good size, and he's brilliantly smart and works his hind parts off. But Tennessee, it's gonna be hard for Rodriguez just to get going in between the tackles against Tennessee. But Levis running the football. That's the thing. If I'm a Kentucky fan and I'm saying, okay, given the scenario where we get to drop this 30 points on Tennessee, it's on those third and six and third and seven known passing downs where Levis tucks it runs. You got a lead blocker with them. Um, and, and maybe that can be the thing that, that gives Kentucky the advantage here. Yeah. And just going and also back limits to the turnovers because he doesn't have to throw the ball. Right. That's true. That's true. And going back to hooker too, you're right. Because the, the change, you know, Tennessee fans were excited in the, you know, months ago when he announced he was coming, and I was like, I saw him at Virginia Tech. They Kentucky played Virginia Tech in the Belt Bowl, and it was you know, okay. It was 37-31, but it wasn't like he was just slicing and dicing all over the field. He was he was more limited, like you said. So the change in his game has been dramatic to to do what he's done in such a short period of time. Because it was Joe Milton's team coming in, right? Everybody, hey, Joe Milton is about to just it's his show, and it, it didn't play out that way. And and we've seen Hooker make a a dramatic improvement. The, the one thing that I think with Joe Milton is I think that Josh Heupel wanted Milton, and I think that uh, Alex Gullish, the, the offensive coordinator, wanted Hooker the whole time. Everybody told me that all through fall camp, spring and fall, that Hooker runs the offense better than anybody else. But Joe Milton has another level arm. But there's a reason Michigan tried to stick with him all last year as well, right? And they, they wanted to make him be the guy. Because you got to think if the light switch will just come on 
for him as far as throwing the ball downfield because he's got a bazooka for him. He's got Matt Stafford's arm, Cam Newton's size, you know what I mean? Kyler's mobility if he when he wants to use it. So it's just a matter of if you put all of those things together, then the, the guy could literally be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And from what I was told, Heupel told somebody that I know, if if the light switch comes on for him, we go nine and three this year. And if they and if anybody else plays, we go seven and five this year. Well, Tennessee's going to play Kentucky most likely to go seven and five this year. So and that's where they're at. And and because he's that good of a talent, it just never came on. And I'll be real, I think that Joe Milton struggles to take it seriously. And I think that he's a young man that struggled. And I, I was a young man that was that struggled to take life seriously as well and take opportunities seriously as well. So no judgment there. But I, I from what I understand, he's not the most checked in guy on everything he needs to do. And Hendon Hooker is. So Hendon Hooker doesn't have close to the physical talent. I think Hendon Hooker will be back next year because I just don't think he has draft options right now. So unless he wants to go to grad school somewhere else and do something else or start coaching now instead of waiting to start his clock if he decides to coach, because uh, he's a guy that has a lot of real un- solid understanding of, the f- of, f- of football. But I think Hendon Hooker will be back next year as well for Tennessee. But that dude has ran the offense well the whole time he's been here, understood the offense, understood that it was more than just about making throws, but he had to learn to throw the ball downfield because he never was asked to do that at Virginia Tech. And so he, it took him a little while, it took him a few games, but he's learned to do it. And he has been an unbelievable weapon for Tennessee. And he's a guy that represents your school well and does things like that as well, Hendon Hooker is. Absolutely. What's the uh, the expectation or the outlook for, for Rick Barnes and, and the basketball balls? What are they looking like? Eh, about the same. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a, you know, year, a round of 32, round of 16. That's what you do, and then you're done. You know what I mean? That's that's probably what it's going to be. Uh, and that's that's what Tennessee is going to be. Look, and here's the thing with Barnes. You ain't never getting in trouble like with Barnes. You know what I mean? Like, because he's just not involved. And so, like, with Bruce, Bruce wanted to be involved in everything, and he wanted to be involved with what the boosters were paying the players' parents and what the, you know, the academic side and who was doing this and who was doing that. Conzo wanted to be like a mentor to them and like a father figure to them off the floor. And so you knew, but Rick Barnes, just like, I'm your coach. That's the relationship. I'll be a good coach to you. I'll treat you real well. I'll help you in life. However I can academics is on the academic side. Boosters are on the booster side. I have no involvement with it whatsoever. When you step in here, let's do work. Um, if you need help with anything, come see me personally. That's fine. But I don't, I'm not involved in that other stuff. And if you, I don't want to say it's clean because I'm sure boosters are paying players there like they're paying them everywhere else. But now you can do that. But it's uh, I, I just think if you're going to be do it like Barnes does, where dudes are really going to class and dudes are really doing things like that, there's a ceiling to how good you can be unless you're you got Coach Cal's you know relationships. You know what I mean? Or something like that. So uh, I mean, like even at Duke, you know, what I mean they 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 had to get to the point because he, he got sick of Coach Cal whooping him, so he ended up saying, "Okay, you don't have to graduate from Duke anymore for us to hang out the champ- banners and stuff like that." Barnes is still old. Yeah. Barnes is still old school. He's not going to get you in trouble. You're not going to have any problems. Nobody's going to act a fool off the, off the court or anything like that, or getting in legal trouble. And if you don't make roll the dice on there being some problems, there's probably a ceiling. And I think Barnes is probably his ceiling is he can maybe eventually one day get back to the final four, but this year they're so young again, sweet 16 round of 32. That's about what they are. I tell you about our sponsor real quick, man. La Terrain Watches has been sponsoring this podcast since day one. Um, former athletes, former players, you know, Tony Delk, Vernon Maxwell, several different uh, former players have endorsed the product as well. Look, man, anytime you need a watch, they got your accessories, they got men's, women's, different styles, whatever you want. La Terrain, great craftsmanship, 
You can go lotsrain.com, hit the chat button. Dave and Ben will respond. The actual owners themselves will get back to you. It's not some bot just trying to answer your question. We all have different looks. We want to go casual, we want to go formal. La Terrain's got the watch for you. You don't just have to look at your phone to see what time it is. You want to have a nice timepiece. La Terrain, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com, LaTerrain.com is the watch for you. Tell them you heard about their products on the Believing Kentucky podcast. Man, Will, it's been a blast catching up with you. Uh, appreciate you. Can, can I get a score? For, what, what's your, can I get a score prediction from you before you before we go? Can we do that? Can I do that so I can talk about it on the air tomorrow? Oh, 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 goodness gracious. Dude. I'll only rip you if I disagree. <laughs> um, wow, it's gonna six and two coming off. Of, I'm, um, and both of them want it bad. That's the case every week, but I, I'm gonna somehow, and it's somehow Kentucky 34, Tennessee 30. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just flip. I'm I'm 37-23. Uh, Tennessee wins. Uh, now, if Tennessee's not healthy like Josh Eiples, like everybody you, you says, it might it will not go that way. But if they really are healthy again, because I mean, they they've lost three starting offensive linemen out. So if those three guys are all back, then I think Tennessee wins the game. If they're not, they will not win that game. <laughs> So if Hypo just Belichick's y'all every week on injury. Oh, every week, dude. Yeah, every week. Yeah, he does. Except for he's he's not he's polite about it. That's the only difference. Okay. Yeah, he is he is polite. That's cool. Man, I know you got an early morning. Like you said, you know, crack a dawn, six to nine, you're doing your things. You gotta be up and, and get yourself together before you even crack the mic at six. So uh, appreciate you taking the time now, man. Uh y'all check them out. Starting lineup. Will West, Tyler Ivins, 990 AM, 99.1 FM, WNML in Knoxville. Appreciate you taking the time to hop on. And I mean everything I said about you helping me even be here talking right now, man. Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on at any time, man. Do you want me to waste your time? I'll come on here and waste your time. I appreciate it, Vinny. You're my guy. <laughs> appreciate it. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Go anywhere you get your podcast, Believe.com, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox. Uh, also, a sea of blue. Jason Markham and the fellows will put this episode up on their site. We definitely appreciate that. Another episode of Believe in Kentucky presented by Bet Online. We'll see everybody next week. Take care now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.